ever heard of the 39 steps? No, what's that, a pub? Scott, have you seen the 39 steps? I have seen the 39 steps, and it's one of uh, the, the early uh, Hitchcock films that really made an impression on me. Yeah, Alfred Hitchcock, who we're going to talk about today, is one of the most widely known, famous directors of all time. Even people who may not be sure if they've seen an Alfred Hitchcock film, they've heard of Alfred Hitchcock. And, uh, you know, some of his films are, are household names, Psycho, The Birds, North by Northwest. But I, I brought up, started us with uh, The 39 Steps because that was one of his British films. And a lot of Americans now, like the films I just named, the famous ones, those are all from when he made films in Hollywood. He came to Hollywood in 1940. And in his career of making about 50 feature films, a little over half of them were in that period from 1940 to 1976 in Hollywood. But Alfred Hitchcock was British, and he made, uh, you know, about 15 or 20 feature films beginning in the silent era in England. And the later ones from about 1934 to 1938 are some of his best films, but people have forgotten about them now. And The 39 Steps was one of his espionage films, too, and he, he made a lot of spy-type movies throughout his career. Yeah, he did. Another one of his, uh, the, right before The 39 Steps, uh, was another spy thriller um, in 1934, The Man Who Knew Too Much, which Hitchcock then remade in the 1950s as a big box office, you know, uh, color, technicolor film with James Stewart and Doris Day. He remade his own movie, um, but that's another, it's a movie about people being uh, caught up in an international espionage thriller. In both cases, their child is kidnapped, which raises the stakes and fear for the audience. And then some other ones at that, in that period of the British films, The Lady Vanishes, Sabotage, Secret Agent. But The 39 Steps is my favorite. Well, remind me of the plot. It's just this, it's a wrong man story. So uh, um, um, a man is... Uh, on the run from both the police and international espionage people who are basically trying to steal state secrets from England. And he can't go to the police, which is often a device Hitchcock uses, because the police are after him too because they think he's murdered someone because a spy was murdered. So he's doubly the wrong man. Right. So he's just on the run from everyone, but he's kind of figured out that the person who's murdered is a spy, who's a good spy. He just happens to run into, and she's murdered, and she tells him, you know, you've got to catch these people. They're going to give away state secrets. He's also trying to solve the mystery. And then, it's, he, you know, what's marvelous about it, his British films, Hitchcock was always had a good sense of humor. There's humor in all his movies, some more than others. He even made a couple of straight-up comedies. The but, Trouble with Harry. The Trouble with Harry and Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which is his only, he actually made a straight-up romantic comedy with Carol Lombard. But, so, the comic relief, but also romance in it, is that he ends up, there's this woman he ends up with, and they end up handcuffed together. So they're fleeing, they hate each other, but they're literally handcuffed together, stuck with each other, and it reminds me of the film that was made the year before in Hollywood, huge famous film, It Happened One Night, with Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert, where they're, they're kind of stuck together. They're not handcuffed, but they're stuck together on a road trip. And like you said, they hate each other. Of course, they eventually she love each other. She especially hates him. He's a reporter and he's trying to dig up dirt on her. There's no way Hitchcock wasn't aware of that when he was making this film a year later. So there's a, that light touch to it 
Um, but at the same time, it's a good thriller. There's also the scene with the where the main character has to get up and make a give a speech, and he doesn't know what he's supposed to talk about. He doesn't know what the and he just gives this sort of stream of consciousness nonsensical string of words. Yeah, it's hilarious. Again, that's one of those that that's one of those devices that Hitchcock uses to get the audience to identify. Because who hasn't been put in that position at some time, whether it's in school or at work, or all of a sudden you've got to get up and you've got to give a speech. And this is almost like a bad dream you have about it, where you've got to get up and give a speech, but you don't even know what you're supposed to talk about. Well, you're mentioning like the conventions of Hitchcock. There's also the MacGuffin, which is a plot device. But Hitchcock famously said it really is about nothing. It's just something to motivate the characters. Yeah, in, 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 especially in the ones where it's, there's a chase or whatever. Uh, like in the 39 Steps, it turns out to be the secret for some kind of new aircraft. But so what? It, it could be anything. Beautiful, mysterious woman pursued by gunmen. Sounds like a spy story. That's exactly what it is. Only I prefer the word agent better. And then there are the essential cinematic techniques and grammar that comes out of Hitchcock. That's the like little secret about Hitchcock, right? So Hitchcock, and, and, and I think it's what makes him arguably one of, you know, the handful of greatest filmmakers ever. Because he's endlessly entertaining. People enjoy his movies. They don't have to be analytical about them. But... Movies he made 60 to 80 years ago are still studied in film school. He was an incredible innovator. He was an artist. You know, he was always doing interesting things with the camera, with editing, always showing interesting points of view. He's a very visual filmmaker, so it's just a pleasure and an interest to watch. He's always unspooling and revealing things for the viewer. And he also has incredible music scores, right? Famous music scores. Yeah, there, there are some critics that said that the music in his films are also like a character in the movie. Yeah, and he valued it deeply. It was really important to him who did, who did the score and, and he was involved in that. He also had a lot of control. He, he admired actors, but he had a lot of control over the actors. He wasn't into method acting. He wanted the actors to like stick explicitly to the script. You and I both have some experience with filmmaking, and it is impossible to make a film that turns out exactly as you picture it. I mean, Hitchcock probably got as close as anyone, but you have to make changes as you go along. Sometimes just the circumstances of the location or the weather or your, your actors, you know, one of them, all of a sudden they break an arm and they're in a cast and you've got to finish the movie. Um, or just things come up that are more interesting. One of the most famous ones with Hitchcock is in The Man Who Knew Too Much. So in The Man Who Knew Too Much. The original or the remake? The remake. So this is with, so James Stewart, and, and it, the climax is in a, in a symphony hall and the symphony's playing and the kidnapped child is somewhere in there. And James Stewart and Doris Day are trying to find their kid. Doris Day sings the song, K Sera Sera, which the kid sings along with. That's, and James Stewart's just trying to track him down. And, Famously, James Stewart is running up the stairs to, to try and get to where the kid is. And he had this huge amount of dialogue that he had to say. And he even told the story of this later on, that he practiced and rehearsed and learned the lines really well so that he could deliver all this dialogue um, as, he was running, or, or, as he was running up the stairs. And they did it and they shot it. And then Hitchcock said, you know what? We don't need it. We're just going to throw it out. 
And then they reshot it with him saying nothing. He said, just act, you know, just show emotion with your face, what you're feeling. And they did it that way. And that's, that's a famous ending. It may not be one of Hitchcock's greatest films, but one of its more famous things is the last 12 minutes or so, the movie, have no dialogue at all. It's all just taking place in the symphony hall. So you see the music and you see, it's just all done. It's like a silent film almost, except for a music soundtrack. So there's an example of Hitchcock literally making a decision on the set to throw out like two pages of script. Well, And that kind of goes to his idea that he liked to have simple and linear stories. They were interesting, you know, there were um, uh, entertaining, but he doesn't want to get into complexities. Yeah, and and he does. There is complexity. I mean, come on, some of his movies, uh, something like Vertigo is very complex. That is true. So so the movies do sometimes, and and he takes you, you think things are one way and then they're another, and he reveals things. But it is true that he, he could summarize any of the plot of any of his films in a sentence or two easily. It goes from point A to point B and usually are resolved in a conventional way. Now, something like Vertigo or a movie called like Suspicion, where you have major stars who actually may be much worse than they seem, that's a little different for him. But most of the time, it's pretty clear cut, yeah. Uh, Wolf on the Derby in 1921. Mr. Jack Jones, humorist with Steve Donegal, one a length at the odds of six to one. Am I right, sir? Right. 